Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The fourth and final NFC East opponent preview of the Bearstalk Underground is brought to you by SeatGeek. Let SeatGeek take the confusion out of your ticket buying experience instead of shopping a Shopping dozens of sites all over the web. Let SeatGeek do the work for you. Their, their app scans the web looking for the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show and rates them on a scale of 0 to 10 to let you know if they're getting the best bang for your buck. Use promo code ACAA at checkout to receive $20 off your first purchase. That's ACAA for $20 off your first purchase. So what are you waiting for? SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Our fourth and final NFC East opponent preview is also brought to you by MyBookie. Whether you like MLB, MMA, golf, or anything else, MyBookie is the place to bet. The ladies in uh, in uh, Team USA are down in the semis in the World Cup, so it looks like they might be um, claiming another crown, so you might want to get on the action while you still can. Uh, you want to go to MyBookie. Mobile site is so easy to use, allows you to make bets from anywhere, and now is the perfect time to replenish your bank account after your vacation to make sure that you've got plenty of bankroll come football season. MyBookie wants you to have as much fun as possible this summer, and what's more fun than winning money while watching sports? Just visit MyBookie.ag today to get started, then try your luck at outsmarting the odds makers. But wait, if you deposit with promo code BEARS100, MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus. That's 50% promo code bears 100 at my bookie you play you win you get paid my guest today is joe rodriguez from one of our very own he's a a new podcast to the network uh cowboys huddle is the name of the show and he's going to be our guest helping us preview the 2019 dallas cowboys talk about uh what a crazy year that was start with a three and five start a seven and one finish to finish ten and six make the playoffs, win the NFC East, and move into the wild card round where they actually won a playoff game uh, against the Seattle Seahawks before falling uh, to the Rams. So lots to talk about there uh, and, and everything that's going on in between, including where are the where's the Cowboys fan base on Jason Garrett at the moment? I know he just won you a division championship, but this is kind of guy that, that most Cowboy fans, I think, have, have had one foot out the door for a while. And he just, for one reason or another, seems to keep sticking around. So I asked Joe about that and everything else in between. So let's go ahead and get to the show, part four of our NFC East preview, wrapping up the division. Part number four of our NFC East preview puts us into the double digits. It's number 10 out of 14 which means after this show, we've got four left, and they are the NFC North, wrapping things up with our beloved Chicago Bears and getting ready for the preseason and training camp and the regular season of 2019. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back, wrapping up the NFC East with uh, part four of our preview, this time uh, talking about the defending NFC East champion, Dallas Cowboys, and Armchair's very own Joe Rodriguez going to be joining us here in just a few moments to talk about this team and uh, what they did in 2018, what they're looking forward to, 
uh, in 2019, thoughts, concerns, so on and so forth. But before we get to that, I saw an interesting article uh, online today. I believe it was on the Windy City Gridiron on SB Nation. And the question was, um, what player do you wish had a healthy career? in his time with the bears uh of course and you know you 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 have the recency bias you think of guys that would have been most helpful most recently but i tried to expand a little bit talking about the recency bias one of the more obvious answers would be a guy like mike brown mike brown was an absolute beast his first four seasons uh, with the Bears, but once he got his big contract and his extension, which he absolutely earned, all of a sudden he had trouble staying on the field. You know, he was drafted in 2000, 2000 to 2003 was his rookie contract, gets a big extension in 2004. O- only a couple of games into 2004, he tears his Achilles. He's done for the year. 2005, he misses a big chunk of the season, I believe, with a calf injury. 2006 he breaks his foot uh, against the Arizona Cardinals so only six games into that season misses the 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 majority of the Super Bowl run anybody who saw his um, his panel at the Bears 100 celebrations knows that's something that still bothers him to this day that he could not take part in it 2007 week one he's coming back he's ready to go blows out an ACL week one against the Charger misses basically the entire 2007 season and and I think he managed to stay healthy in his swan song in 2008 but Mike Brown just wasn't the same Mike Brown uh, anymore and I th- he spent two years in Kansas City before uh, calling it a career I believe after the 2010 uh, season but just imagine if we'd have been able to keep Mike Brown or if Mike Brown would have been able to stay healthy just think in 2006 alone you know Mike Brown would have been on the field instead of Daniel Manning. I don't think that Mike Brown would have made the same mistake that Daniel Manning made when he bit on Dallas Clark coming across the middle of the field, leaving Reggie Wayne deep down the center of the field, wide open for a touchdown that uh, that got the that got the the Colts on the board and, and kind of changed the game. Another guy that would have been helpful had he been staying healthy through the, I guess, I guess the second leg of his career with the Bears would be Tommy Harris, who also, he played longer in 2006. I think he made it to like week 12 or 13 before he got hurt against, the, I believe it was against the Vikings. But Tommy Harris missed the entire playoff run, missed the Super Bowl. You put Tommy Harris, who was the best defensive tackle in football in 2006, put him in there. You got Mike Brown in there. You've got a completely different defense. Who knows how Super Bowl 41 plays out with those two monsters uh, on the field? And then, of course, Tommy Harris. Um, you know, was a, was a Tommy Harris was a beast. He was an absolute one of my absolute favorite players uh, when he was in a Bear uniform. Uh, signed a new contract, I think, before the 2008 season, and. You know, he played through injuries, so he wasn't he even though he was playing, he wasn't always completely healthy. And then injuries really started to plague him towards the end of his time uh, with the Bears. I think he played a year or two in San Diego before finally wrapping uh, it up. Uh, Another guy that comes to mind just for his own benefit, not really so much for that, that the Bears really missed him, to be completely honest. But imagine if you had a healthy Johnny Knox to go along with. Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall 
in 2013, an extra receiving threat to go along with everything else that our offense could do in 2013. Johnny Knox got injured, that horrific back injury, I believe, in 2011 uh, is when he got hurt. So just imagine what he would have been able to um, contribute to that near record-breaking offense that we had in 2013. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And when Tressman... Uh, came to town he basically revitalized uh, the offense with the weapons that we had and Martellus Bennett and Alshon and and Brandon Marshall together with Matt Forte in the backfield and you know and and, and an offensive line that did its job throughout the year for the first time in a long time uh, for for Cutler or McCown whoever the quarterback happened to be it didn't really seem to matter at times to be honest with you as long as we kept the quarterback upright, he was going to be able to find those receivers. Imagine if Johnny Knox was one of them. So um, <clears throat> he had a very – I think he only ended up playing like three years. I know we drafted him in 09, the back injury in 2011, so he really didn't even get to finish out his rookie contract before basically injuries knocked him out of the out of football. And then I have two more names on the list, one of which – Something that we talked about before when, when I had Eric Lambert on the show, we were talking about the top 100 uh, players. We had a discussion about Jim McMahon versus Jay Cutler and what would have happened if Cutler was in uh, Cutler was on the 85 team and, and you know would it have been any different if McMahon was on the, the, the Cutler era uh, teams? What if Jim McMahon was just healthy? Because that was one of the beefs that those guys had. If you go back and you watch the 30 for 30, the defensive players always comment about uh, when when the question came up, why didn't you guys win more than one Super Bowl? They put on the quarterback. The quarterback couldn't stay healthy, and backups weren't as good as as the quarterback was. Uh, I've had a book for years. It was a Steve McMichael uh, book. He talked about how you know there was a lot of infighting amongst the team about McMahon not staying healthy and you know not able to stay out there, and it's killing our offense and so on and so forth. Imagine if McMahon hadn't gotten hurt in 86 and was was able to stay healthy. I mean, because he even missed like four or five games in 1985. But in 86, imagine if he stays healthy, the the Tim Harris thing uh, doesn't happen and, and, and everything else. And if, you know, these these little injuries that kept knocking him out of the lineup or the shoulder thing in 86, maybe we repeat as champion if it's McMahon that's playing quarterback in the playoffs instead of Flutie and Tomzak and uh, and everything. So imagine what a healthy Jim McMahon throughout his career in Chicago would have been able to do 
in the 80s after the 85 season how many super bowls would we have won if would we would we have won any uh after uh 85 i know we, we would our odds would have been that much better and then i kind of dug deep and, and went a little old school with my last one and that would be gail sayers gail sayers only played i think five or six years in the league i believe he's i think he still holds the record for the youngest inductee into the pro football hall of fame because the impact that he made in his short nfl career was so large that he was a first ballot hall of famer i think he was only like 31 when he got inducted into the pro football hall of fame of course suffered a knee injury um i think he suffered a couple actually and this was back in in the late 60s when surgery was basically barbaric it was a it was a miracle to come back within a year which is exactly what Gale Sayers did. Imagine the career that he would have had if he could have played for 10 years, 12 years, instead of just five or six uh, in a bare uniform. He might not be as bitter as he ended up uh, being before, uh, unfortunately, dementia kind of took over uh, Gale Sayers. Uh, he was very, I, I remember talking, uh, ranting about Gale Sayers because he wouldn't, People asked him, I think he was on Chicago radio uh, back several years ago, and they were when, when Devin Hester was the hottest thing going and asking Gail Sayers, uh, you know, if, if Devin Hester was better than him, and he said no. You know, you don't have to tell the truth. Uh, you know, you could just give the young guy his due and uh, or anything, just give the, the guy the pat on the back that he deserves. Uh, and everything but him being adamant that he would he just seemed bitter to me that that's how he always kind of came off when it came to talking about comparisons and who's the best and uh, and all that kind of stuff he always kind of seemed bitter that um, he didn't have the chance to to play out his career the 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 injuries kind of ended his career for him and I wonder what he would have been like personally and you know professionally how that all would have shaken out for him maybe he wouldn't have uh, come off uh, quite the same way had he been able to walk away from the game on his own terms as opposed to having, uh, uh, you know, his uh, his injuries dictate that for him. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting. Those are those are the five that came to mind when I was thinking about it earlier uh, today. So I thought that I would share that with you guys before we got to our interview uh, with Joe. So we're going to go ahead and get started here with Mr. Joe Rodriguez from uh, the Armchair Media Network podcast Cowboys huddle uh like i said we covered a lot uh, talking about the 2018 and into the 2019 cowboys the projection how crazy the nfc east can be sometimes and uh you know who he thinks might be a threat to the cowboys in in uh in in taking the division because as we've learned from our last two guests in washington and philadelphia it has been a long time since the nfc east has had a repeat champion in the division, uh, we were reminded by Brandon Lee Gowton last week, or earlier this week, I should say, that uh, it's been since 2004 when the Eagles did it in 03 and 04 that they've had a repeat champion in the NFC East, and he is fully aware of of that, and uh, you know how it might affect the way that 2019 uh, turns out, and how much he wants his team to break that streak. So, I'm going to go ahead and step aside and bring on our new guest, Joe Rodriguez from Cowboys Huddle, to help us preview the 2019 Dallas Cowboys. (music) 
The fourth and final stop on the road through the NFC East takes us to Dallas, which is nowhere near the East Coast, but somehow they've always been a member of the Eastern Division. Uh, the defending NFC East champion Dallas Cowboys in here to help us uh, preview the 2019 Cowboys. Hey, it's our very first crossover show. We have uh, Armchair Network uh, uh, member as well, uh, one of our newest, Joe Rodriguez from Cowboys Huddle. Joe, how we doing? I'm doing good, and I'm glad to be on. So my first question, Joe, are we in cap mode? We are in cap mode. We are in cap Always. mode. Always. Check out his, talk Cowboys football. There you go. So check out his podcast. you find out what that's talking about. So I just thought I'd throw that in there because I have checked out an episode or two. So, um, so you are new not only to Armchair, but you are new to the Bears Talk Underground uh, community of, uh, of guests. And the one question that we like to ask all of our new friends – uh, is or three questions i guess number one where are you from number two where are you now and number three do you have a favorite moment as a fan of the dallas cowboys okay yeah man pretty, pretty cool uh, segment there so where i'm where i'm from or you know I'm, I'm south of houston texas so i don't live in the dfw area and uh you know i've i've, I've lived here forever so it's really this is where i'm at Okay. Uh, grew up Cowboys fan. Parents, uh, well, my father, you know, he raised me a Cowboys fan. So that's that's just how it's been, you know, just die hard the whole way, and um, and that kind of thing. My my favorite Cowboys moment growing up, I'm I'm the of the era of the '90s Cowboys. So sure. And my and my father was from the '60s and '70s, so passed it on. So my favorite moment, obviously, was that that Super Bowl, 52 to 17, shellacking of the Buffalo Bills. Lots of turnovers, lots of touchdowns, and. Uh, Hopefully we can, you know, relive that moment sometime soon because it's been a while. Yeah, that was a while ago. I mean, that was the first of of three uh, in four years. Uh, You beat the Bills Bills again the following year, and then two years later um, beat the Steelers in Super Bowl Thirty, and that was the last trip the Cowboys made to the Super Bowl. This is 23 Super Bowls they've uh, missed uh as of uh as of late so uh yeah it's been a long time coming for the cowboys try to find their way back uh to the uh to the big game so looking at uh 2018 this was uh was a weird year for the nfc east because at the start of the season it was the redskins that had kind of come and emerged the the the, the eagles the defending world champions kind of stumbled out of the gates uh, you know nothing was really going on with the giants all year long so that wasn't uh, a thing and then when i was looking at the cowboys i knew that they had a slow start i didn't quite realize that if you split the season in half it was three and five for the first eight games but seven and one in the last eight games uh to to get you your 10 and 6 record to win the division and head to the playoffs what was so different uh about those eight those last eight games that you couldn't pull off in the first eight uh, the the clear the clear difference was Amari Cooper. We got Amari Cooper right at the right at the midpoint, right at the uh, the bye week. You know, we made that that big trade for Cooper for a first round pick, and um, that was really the catalyst for the turnaround. You know, um, the whole wide receiver by committee. It, it was a uh, it was something that they crossed their fingers during the off season and preseason. It was a complete disaster. And they knew it was a mistake, and they had to go and and make a change because they were on their way to having a disastrous total implosion. So um, that was the main difference. Getting Cooper in here turned it around, got that momentum going, 
And that was it. That's all she wrote. Wow. I mean, it's I mean, because it was a total renaissance for both. Not only did it wake up the Cowboys, but it waked up Amari Cooper as well. I mean, it's not like he was having a lights out season uh, in Oakland and, they, and, and the first round pick was just too good to to turn down. They they got rid of him because he wasn't playing to the point where the, the Raiders were going to want to pay him. So they shipped him off, got something in return for him. And it turned out to be a, a great move for uh, for both parties concerned. And when I say both parties, I mean the Cowboys and Amari Cooper. Right. Yeah, it, it was a it was a great move for Cooper, and I think both the guys that left uh, the Raiders really shined. You know, uh, Khalil Mack and Cooper. They both, you know, you know, they just looked top notch. You know, like why would you want to trade these kinds of players? But we we took them first round pick. I, I feel like we poked their eyes out on that one. You know, I, I think it was a good pick. You know, for a first rounder, he's still young. He's only twenty five years old. Yeah, yeah. It um, I it was uh, was joking with a buddy of mine. We're watching a playoff game. The it was actually it was the Seahawks and the Cowboys, the wild card game where they had Amari Cooper on the field. Uh, Sebastian Janikowski was kicking for Seattle. Uh, the Bears were waiting for their chance to to play. I think the Bears were playing the next night uh, or whatever it was. And I was joking with my buddy. I was like, Jesus, did everyone the Raiders get rid of make the playoffs this year? <laughs> Because Khalil Mack's going with the Bears, the Cooper's there with the Cowboys, Janikowski's there with the Seahawks. It's like, is there anybody who didn't make it to Greener Pastures in 2018 without an <laughs> Oakland Raider uniform on their back? It was just weird to see all these ex-Raiders playing on playoff teams having so recently left the squad. So, uh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it was pretty crazy how it all happened. So we'll see if, if Gruden and Mayock can, uh, can get that thing turned around. We play the Raiders uh, this year, but we do it in, in, in London. Even though we're the road team, I was kind of looking forward to seeing what uh, Khalil Mack in Oakland again would look like, but we're never going to get to see that because the next time Khalil Mack plays the Raiders on the road, it'll be in Vegas, uh, not Oakland. So I guess we'll never get to know. But looking ahead to the, the 2019, actually real quick, in that playoff game, first of all, let me apologize on behalf of the Bears, Joe, because – us missing that damn field goal or getting it blocked, depending on who you want to talk to, that mm-hmm. sent you guys to the Rams and sent Philly to New Orleans. And I think it would have worked out great for everyone, you and us included, that we would have ended up playing each other in the NFC Championship game because if we go to L.A., you go to New Orleans, the team that you starched a few weeks before on Thursday Night Football, we go right. to L.A. and play the Rams, the team that we beat the hell out of on Sunday Night Football a few weeks before those two defense dominate those offenses and then we hash it out in Chicago for the NFC championship game. So I want to apologize on behalf of the Bears for blowing it against the Philly and ruining what probably would have been an amazing defensive battle in the NFC championship game. Uh it's it's uh apology accepted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nah, that's a good that's a good point. I mean, yeah, the it's all about matchups in this league, and yeah. and um, yeah, we clearly matched up better than them with the Saints than we would have with the the Rams. And you're right, the Bears with with the Rams, you know what what could have been, but um, we'll see what these guys do this year. So, what talk about that game real quick? What what happened with the defense that they were all of a sudden giving up 250 on the ground uh, to the Rams? Was that something that they struggled with during during the season? Because even Todd Gurley, who wasn't in the who wasn't 100 percent along with C.J. Anderson, both ran for over 100 yards in that game. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think they underestimated that Rams offensive line, and really, you know, hats off to uh, to McVay scheming the uh, their attack. They they exposed our weakness, which was the middle of that defense. Mm. They're too thin, too weak. Antoine Woods got hurt during the game, played hurt the rest of the game, and uh, that's kind of why they went out and got Tristan Hill here in the draft. So. They saw the weakness, and you know they're trying to address it in the draft, and um, hopefully it'll, hopefully it'll pay off for us. Because outside of the middle of that defense, you know you have good players in every position. So I feel good about us going in 2019 in that regard. Yeah, I mean it is. It was a stout defense, and like I said, you, much like we were the ones that exposed the Rams for the most part, you were the ones that exposed the the Saints, and it was your defense that just took charge and shut them down it was almost like mirror images your win over the saints and our win over the the rams the two best you know light up the scoreboard offense is being completely shut down uh mm-hmm. by these overpowering defenses and unfortunately uh the, the postseason did not work out to where we could have a return uh engagement with those two teams to flex our muscles defensively once again so uh yeah that was unfortunate because I, I really thought that it was going to be the bears and the cowboys when i saw how the matchups lined up it would be the Bears and the Cowboys in Soldier Field, late January, all that kind of stuff. I was excited about it, and unfortunately, uh, it never happened. So uh, we look ahead to, to 2019, and, and going into 2019, I know you guys were, were a playoff team, so obviously Jason Garrett's job is safe. What, what is the overall feeling about Jason Garrett by the, the fan base, if you will? Like, How do you feel about him personally? I mean, because there was at some point where maybe he'd worn out his welcome and maybe you guys want to move on, but he's still the head coach. He got you guys in the playoffs. You won a division crown. So where's that all at right now? Like, I know he's definitely going to be the head coach this year uh, and everything, but what's the what's the consensus on Garrett these days? Yeah, the consensus on him for this season is that he's automatically on the hot seat. You know, we've, he's ha- we've had him here for – I mean, he's been part of the Cowboys organization going back to Wade Phillips – uh, offensive coordinator, interim coach, head coach. So he's been here for quite a long time. We, you know, the the one good thing that we do like about Garrett is the program. You know, it's a they're still you know a run first oriented offense. You know, you want to get that big, powerful, athletic offensive line going. He's done that. That offensive line is pretty good. It's not elite. I think I think the Cowboys. Uh, they get too much of their the elite. You know, they they haven't been elite for. I think, man, I think the last time they were elite was when um, pre, I mean, it might have been 2016, definitely the year that DeMarco Murray ran all over the place in 2014. That was probably as elite as they were. Sure. And But right now, they're they're very good, but I wouldn't say they're elite. You know, Lyle Collins has some issues. The left guard, you know, we, we, Travis Frederick's coming back from, from the syndrome. So there's a lot to, to be um, – there's 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 a lot that's still moving uh, a lot of moving parts but for Garrett he's definitely on the hot seat and um this is it you know you have you have the players in place and i i've told i've told my my subscribers that you know this is kind of like the the bucks and dungy era you know where you have a really good team but the coach can't get you quite over the hump they right. brought in Gruden put him over the hump um it feels like that it feels that, that that's the final piece so if Garrett can't get us over and he's he's in a contract year, so if you can't get us over, the fan base is going to fully expect some kind of change there. It's good. Something has to happen there. So, 
yeah, I've always yeah, I've always kind of wondered because it's it's always kind of I mean the Cowboys are always in the national spotlight, so you always hear about what's going on with them. You did the, the all or nothing season uh, a couple of years ago where they 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 missed the season you wanted to see by a year, and mm-hmm. um, you know I think think that the, the all or nothing team is uh, a, they they got it right the first year with the Cardinals because they went all the way to the NFC Championship game that was fun. Then the following year. They were a season too early with the Rams. They picked the season where they went four and twelve, not the year where they went twelve and four. And then with you, they were a season too late because you were coming off that big year with Dak and, and Zeke and their first rookie season and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, take that for 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 what you will. But uh, it's still a great show. I'm looking forward to what the what the Panther season is going to look like when it comes out in a couple of weeks. But you know, it, it just uh, you know with Garrett. Uh, and everything I know that it's been very you know mixed feelings and for some reason uh, Jerry Jones just keeps bringing him around and then he finally gets you guys uh, into the playoffs so I was kind of wondering where it was at because um, it's not on the same level but it's it's comparable that we had a coach in Chicago by the name of uh, Dick Geron and mm-hmm. this guy was the one that replaced Dave Wanstad who I'm sure you're familiar with yeah and um, he replaced Wanstad he was kind of a concession coach because the guy we really wanted we screwed that up i won't get into it right now but <laughs> we really blew that with it was dave mcginnis that we were after and we really choked mm-hmm. on that one but he was garbage like the first three years and then year number four his last year 2001 the bears went 13 and three they made the playoffs he gets an extension you know and <laughs> we were hanging on to this coach that Chicago desperately wanted to get rid of, but we couldn't because he just won 13 games and went to a playoff game, and now we're stuck yeah. with this guy. But you're going in with Garrett. This is the contract year, so it really is uh, Super Bowl or bust, or you know, at least I don't know. Is it Super Bowl or bust, or what's what's it going to take for him to come back? It's it's a it's a funny thing, and 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 this is really where we're going to see who is who in who is calling the shots. Is it Stephen Jones or Jerry Jones from from uh, from my point of view, the last couple of seasons has been Stephen Jones running the contracts, letting you know certain players go, not spending big money in free agency. It's all Stephen Jones' fingerprints all over the place. Now, when it comes to the head coach, that's Jerry Jones. So, this contract year, if if we don't make the playoffs and they re-sign him, it's this is still Jerry Jones. It's still the Jerry Jones show. Right. But if they, if if they make a move. And they go get somebody, then we know that okay, this this is official. This is completely Stephen Jones's show right now, and and then Jerry's just, you know, the, uh, you know, just the guy that's, uh, I wouldn't say a puppet, but just you know, up there for for looks or whatever. Sure, sure. So uh, yeah, so you know, I was yeah, I was kind of wondering where where the where it was at and and where it is with the fan base uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So speaking of free agency and contracts, the Cowboys did make a few moves. Uh, this year they traded for Robert Quinn got him away from the Miami Dolphins to add him to your pass rush you signed Randall Cobb away from the Packers I want to thank you for doing that so we don't have to deal with him twice a year uh, anymore so that was awesome and we still got to play him this year but just once um, and um, signed Christian Covington like you said trying to shore up the middle of that defensive line uh, D tackle from the Texans uh, George Ioka from the Vikings and then good old Jason Witten, uh, who stunk it up the on Monday Night Football, decides that uh, it would be easier to play football than it would be to face the world on Monday Night Football again, comes out of retirement, and throws himself back in the mix at tight end for you guys. 
Yeah, yeah, that was that was a that was a surprise right there. I don't think anybody saw that one coming. So uh, that's, that was a kind of a weird one, but it's a it's a welcome uh, readdition by some, but it, it really hasn't been fully, uh, you know, uh, not not all the fans have been on board on that. So it's uh, surprisingly, really, yeah. I mean, there's the age, obviously, thirty-seven, thirty. I, I'm, right. I already forgot how old Wit is, but he is way up there. He gets a lot of flack for being slow, but tight ends generally aren't really that. They're not burners, so. You know, um, you know some of the new age guys. They're a lot more athletic, like you know Kelsey and and some of these uh, Ertz and these kinds of guys. But like uh, Jason Witten, I think he knows where to be, and that's the biggest thing for the Cowboys. They 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 have a big thing about you know you got to trust these players. So the young guys last year, they had their shot, and some of them were not in the right place at the right time, and you know Dak uh, didn't really hit them because they weren't in position or they were you know, doing things the wrong way. So uh, I think that's going to help out a lot, especially in the red zone. Red zone was a big thing for the Cowboys last year. It was really ineffective, really anemic, and really hurt us in the long run, big time. Is that what kind of played you there in, in the first half? Because I'm not seeing a lot of points in the first half. Those first eight games when you went three and five? Yeah, it really, really, that was really a big part of it. But that really hounded them the whole season. You know, yeah. the whole season they would get down to the – 20 yard line and you knew just as a fan like okay here we are here comes a field goal because for whatever reason you know the field obviously shrinks and part of the reason why Linehan is out of here creativity out the window too bland too predictable they couldn't get it they couldn't punch it in so who's uh who took Linehan's spot so Kellen Moore took the the spot there they elevated him from yeah from QB coach so he's in there okay so Younger guy probably thinks a bit more outside the box when it comes to offense, so that could open things up for you guys. Right. Um, as far as the guys that you let go, uh, Dayton Jones, defensive tackle, he heads off to Jacksonville. Cole Beasley is kind of like the top name on mm-hmm. the list here. He heads off to Buffalo after making a name for himself uh, in Dallas. Uh, Jeff Swaim, the tight end, also goes to Jacksonville. Damian Wilson, an outside linebacker, goes to Kansas City. And then two other losses one being david irving and the other being randy gregory and both of these guys uh suspended indefinitely for violating the substance policy for the nfl right yeah yeah david Irving ended up retiring if i read that right yeah david irving he's gone full on um yeah. you know pro uh i don't even know if he's an activist or he's just doing whatever he wants to do to get publicity for himself is that right but uh yeah, I mean, he, yeah, I follow him on Instagram. He does some crazy stuff on there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he, yeah, he he just didn't put football first, and so the Cowboys gave him plenty of seasons to turn it around, and he, he couldn't do it. Randy Gregory's a different story. He, uh, you know, he's been in rehab, in and out of rehab, and you know, it's just from my point of view, it just comes down to the policy of the NFL. I mean, some of the other leagues, sports leagues, don't have these kinds of issues and the NFL, you know, keeps on having it. So he keeps getting busted for weed. Yeah. It keeps on, it, whether it's a missed test and, you know, as you know, if you miss a test, they count it as a failure. So, right. um, it's, it's a, it's a whole mixed bag of that kind of stuff, but it's really, that's the primary thing for Gregory. And yeah, so he's suspended indefinitely until other, until otherwise. So fans are hoping that Goodell will, you know, let him play, you know, half a year or something. I'm not holding my breath. I think Goodell really doesn't like the Cowboys. 
So um, it's wishful thinking, but maybe we'll get something out of him. Well, you know, uh, Jerry Jones did try to get Goodell fired after the whole Zeke thing with the suspension. Uh, yeah, that, did, that did, didn't help. Yeah, they yeah, so tried to do a little coup there. It didn't work. Yeah, so I, I, I doubt that uh, Jerry Jones is on Goodell's Christmas card list. So, um, But talk about Cole Beasley. I mean, this is a guy that he was one of Dak's best friends as far as being a guy that, that was a constant target for him. He's headed off to uh, Buffalo. And I know you signed Randall Cobb, so you pretty much have replaced Cole Beasley with an older version of him. But talk about what what losing Cole Beasley is going to do for the offense. I think losing Cole Beasley is one of those things where it's addition, you know, via subtraction. So with Cole Beasley, he was a primary. He's a slot player. And for Buffalo, he'll be a slot player. You you can't put him on the outside. He, he, He can't beat press coverage. He can't get down there. Um, he'll try. They'll try to put him out there, but it's not going to work, especially up there in the cold. I, I don't know what he's thinking. Randall Cobb, on the other hand, this I think is a magnificent uh, addition. He can play in the slot. You can play him on, on the outside. He's got speed. The thing with him are the hamstrings. Cobb has those thick legs and you know tends to have soft tissue issues. So um, if he can stay healthy, that's going to be a big uh, boon for us. Right. So – Looking ahead to the uh, to the draft here, uh, thanks to the Amari Cooper trade, he was your first-round pick uh, this season. So the Cowboys had to wait until 58 overall to uh, make their first selection. And you talked about him a moment ago, Tristan Hill, the D-tackle out of uh, Central Florida. You picture him as somebody that's going to come in and, and uh, be an immediate impact player? I do. I do. He's gotten really good, um, you know, accolades from Coach Rod Marinelli. You know, he's seen by many as one of the gurus in the entire NFL for a defensive line coach. You know, and I know he spent time there with you guys. Oh, yeah. So I know you're well aware of that. But he um, that that holds a lot of weight for me when you hear it from the coach, when you hear from Rod Marinelli. You know, saying, you know, positive things about the young player. It holds something for me. So I'm like, okay. This is good. You know, his his first step off the snap is one of the fastest that uh, was available in this draft. He was one of the top uh, three true three-tech under-tackle guys who's going to, you know, pass rush the passer and, you know, make some plays in the backfield. So he's a well-rounded defensive tackle, and I think I think they did good with it. So your other day two pick was Connor McGover, a guard out of uh, Penn State. And then on day three, you had six picks on day three, one-fourth, two-fifth, the sixth, and two-seventh uh, round picks. Any of those uh, oh, guys, uh, maybe somebody that we should expect to hear from this year? Yeah, I think um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with McGovern. He's he's NFL ready, in my opinion. So, you know, um, I, I just I, I hate to see him just you know have a redshirt season as a backup. So you know it'll be interesting to see what happens during training camp. Do they make some kind of move and, and shuffle some people around and trade one of those guys, or um, or is that is that the plan? You know, do they just keep him as a as a backup? But the draft class as a whole, I think um, I think they did really well. The one player that that I'm looking forward to is Tony Pollard in the fourth round. Obviously, he's going to get uh, some snaps, and we're looking, we're thinking that uh, Kellen Moore will have some some plays where him and Zeke are both on the field at the same time, and uh, and not just a third down back. The thing about him is some people want to 
pigeon him as a pigeonhole him as a a gadget player, but he's not. He's a, he's a legit running back with a lot of speed and can do can do stuff for you in the return game. So I think he's the biggest one to really keep an eye on. Okay, and then the rest of your uh, draft class, uh, you, you took two running backs. So you got Pollard that you just talked about and Weber out of Ohio State. Uh, you got a couple of DBs, Michael Jackson out of Miami, and uh, Donovan Wilson out of Texas A&M. So some, uh, some young depth players uh, there. So real quick, before we go into, into 2019 and look ahead to the season, I got to ask you about uh, Dak Prescott. I mean, talk about a guy that kind of fell in your lap. You know, you're falling over yourselves. Jerry Jones is trying to get himself in position to take Paxton Lynch. He's upset when he can't pull it off and Denver walks, uh, you know, makes the deal and, and drafts him instead. You miss out on, on counter cook and you kind of had to settle for Dak Prescott. And thanks to the back injury from Tony Romo in the preseason, you enter the 2016 season with Prescott as your starting quarterback, and it really couldn't have worked out any better than it has. So I know that there's kind of like this hero worship a bit for Dak Prescott. I mean, why wouldn't there be? But his contract is coming up, and the rumor is he's going to be asking for $30-plus million a season. Do you think he's a $30-plus million a year quarterback, or is he a guy that should probably be asking for somewhere in the 20s or something like that? Um, you know, it's one of those – it's just what the market value is right now. And right. I think that's the the biggest grumble that fans have is that, well, we, he hasn't won the Super Bowl or we haven't gotten to the, the NFC Championship and that kind of thing. But it's, it's you know, that you have to look at the whole picture and what, what has happened along the way. You got, you know, and, and not for excuses or whatever, but, you know, Zeke missed a lot of that 2017 season with the whole lawsuits and all that kind of thing. But, um, you know... He has two NFC East uh, win championships under his belt. His uh, passer rating is is really good for a young player. He, uh, his stats are better than Carson Wentz, and, and Wentz, you know, has uh, he just landed a big contract. So yeah, and some of these other players, you know, Kirk Cousins and these these types of guys. I mean, they're just bus drivers. They're they're not going to win anything with those guys, in my opinion. Um, so. And then you got these other contracts that are coming up. You know, you got Pat Mahomes. He's going to get something. Your boy Trubisky, he's looking good. He's going to have a big contract. So these younger quarterbacks, they're driving the market. And um, I think, you know, in the $30 million range, I think is totally feasible. You know, they've talked about $34 million. I know his agent wanted $34 million. So hopefully they come into a, a midpoint, you know, somewhere between 30 and $32, million, I'm, I'm guessing. So do you think this is something that can be shored up by a training camp? Do you think it could be something that could be a distraction uh, for the team if it carries off? Or do you imagine that maybe Jerry Jones and company would be like, you know what, if we can't get it done by training camp, let's shut it down and revisit at the end of the, the season? You figure they might do something like that? Or what, you know, what does the past tell you on something like that? Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, f- for me – I'm I'm from the point of view that you want to get it out of the way so you don't use it as a crutch or or as an excuse, you know, like hey, he's not looking too sharp in preseason. We're losing a game here and there, a losing streak, and during the regular season, oh maybe he's distracted, maybe it's the contract. Like I don't want any excuses, you know. This, we need to go into the season with a with a clean slate, with everybody good to go, ready to rock and roll, and uh, let's get this thing done. 
You, you know? think they'll be able to afford Zeke when his time comes? Because they're in the same draft class. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I know Zeke has a fifth-year option, so he's got an extra year for the Cowboys to worry about. But if you give Zeke thirty, or excuse me, if you give uh, Dak thirty plus million, I know running backs don't make thirty million dollars. But do you think they'd be able to afford to keep them both? Uh, that is that is the the hundred million dollar question, I guess you could say, or sure. ten thousand, whatever you want to call it, but. It's uh, that one there is going to be interesting because, you know, they still do have time there. They have the fifth year. But then at that point, you know, do you do you start to get a player who who will sit out? will pull a Le'Veon Bell because, you know, um, he's he's obviously for me, he's the best running back in the league. And, and that's just not because he's he's a cowboy. I, I really do legitimately think he's the best in the league. And then Saquon, I think, is probably your number two. But um you know, the Cowboys, they drafted him four overall in the 2016 draft. You, you would hate to uh, develop him and just let him walk away, and he'll still have youth to him. So that one there is going to be a, a tricky situation there. Can they afford him? I think they will, but then it might, it might uh, you know, give you issues in signing some of your other players. You got, a, you got your cornerback class that was all drafted at the same time with Cheeto, Xavier Woods. And Jordan Lewis, so that's that's going to be a big thing. Jalen Smith, at linebacker, he's coming up after next year. So there's a lot of big contracts coming up. So they got to play it. They got to play it right. Yeah, the Bears are in are, are in similar situation. You mentioned Trubisky. Um, you know, this is only year three, so we still have two years under contract with him. But um, Eddie Jackson's got a got a contract year coming up. Uh, Tariq Cohen's got a uh, contract year coming up. It's it's going to be interesting to see what the Bears do, what decisions they make, who they keep, who they have to let go, and uh, like that. I mean, and we were talking about Dak getting thirty million, and and what is Zeke going to get when also the the big signing that the Cowboys did make over the the off season was giving Demarcus Lawrence the extension for twenty plus million uh, a season, you know, to to remain on the team. So. The, you already got some big contracts. You got some big ones coming, and uh, you know you do have an. Uh, we do have a salary cap. It's not like uh, the Wild West back in the '90s when the Cowboys just opened up the checkbook because they could afford mm-hmm. it. There's a salary right. cap that everyone has to abide by. So unfortunately, you can't just throw open the checkbook and pay everybody. Uh, that's probably like the one. It's fair and it's unfair at the same time because you want to keep your team together, but the salary cap only allows you to do so much. Oh yeah, definitely. That's uh, you know, and that's just what the NFL does. You know, to create that parity. That you know, they love to say that that parity word. So, you know, it, it, that's what they're getting. That's what happens. Yeah. So I mean, it makes things interesting, especially for teams in the NFC, because it's just the running carousel uh, in the NFC. And and that actually was my next question was, how confident are the Cowboys that they can? repeat and the reason i bring that up is that my last two nfc east guests have both reminded me that there has not been a repeat champion in the division since the eagles won in 2003 and 2004 2005 season and beyond there's been a different champion every single year that's right yeah that's that's that is dead on with that with that analysis there that's something that that has been in the back of my mind too so if they're gonna do something, and if it's Super Bowl or bust, they gotta break that. They gotta break that chain and make it happen. And, and it's a tough division, you know. The NFC East, it's really. I really feel it's gonna be between the Eagles, Giants, and Cowboys. I'm. I'm really not 
threatened by the Redskins and the this organization they're running over there. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So what are some of the top storylines going into 2019? Do you think that the Dak Prescott contract thing will be something that that lingers? I mean, what else are we looking at in 2019 that we should keep an eye on as far as, you know, watching the Cowboys going into the season? It definitely is going to be uh, Jason Garrett. If they go on a skid, if they go on a bad skid, what happens? Do they fire him? Do they, you know, supplant him and put Chris Richard in there? There's a lot of fans that really like Chris Richard that even if at the end of the season we don't make the playoffs, there's a lot of fans that are, that are going to be pro Chris Richard to take over this team. He could be, you know, that, that type of catalyst that, that could put you over. He's a really motivational uh, you know, type of coach. Every time you hear him talk, it's like you're listening to a motivational speech and you just feel real pumped about what he's saying, you know, and that's from a fan. I could just imagine how the players feel. So that's going to be a big one there. The Kellen Moore at the off- offensive coordinators is a, is a really, really big one because really you're talking every, everything's on paper right now. Like, well, fresh ideas, the young mind, he's, he's one of these supposed geniuses. He can, spread the field and this and that well you know that's fine and dandy but you got to see it you got to see it and if things go south this fan base is gonna is gonna turn real quick on these guys <laughs> i can tell you that yeah i mean it is one of the more passionate fan bases uh out there so i mean there's uh, there's no arguing that uh what can we look for on the, on the defensive side are there any position battles or anything like that going on the defensive side we should uh be aware of the defensive side, the big question mark is going to be Byron Jones. Obviously, they moved him from safety to corner last year. Had a really good season at cornerback. That's really where they should have played him out, out the gate instead of safety. But he's coming off of hip surgery. And as you know, you got to have those hips to make those turns up the field if you're cornerback. And that's going to be a big one. You know, if he, how does he look? Does he, did he lose a step? Is he too stiff? You know, or, that's that's a big one for me, and if that's the case, the next question is who who takes over there. So there's some capable players, but you know it, it starts you start to get uh, thin after a while, and, and you know how the league is you you sustain injuries along the way, and it's all about handling those uh, those injuries. Yeah, depth becomes uh, very important. I mean, especially for teams like ours who went on playoff runs last year, who's the the starting twenty two is pretty well. Uh, established it's more about adding depth uh, to the roster guys that you can rely on in the event that one of your uh, main starters uh, goes down so that's one one of the main focuses that the Bears had coming into 2019 was we had to replace Amos and Bryce Callahan they left in free agency so replacing them was priority one but priority 1a was establishing depth behind the guys that are going to be expected to play in the 16 games this year oh yeah yeah, that, that's always a priority, no doubt. So looking at the uh, schedule, stop me if you've heard this before, but week one you play the Giants. So, I mean, it's only mm-hmm. 38 years in a row that you guys are starting <laughs> off the year with the Giants. I think last year was the first year in how many seasons that you didn't play in week one? You played in week two, but you didn't play in week one uh, last year. You played against the, the Panthers to start last year but it's like every single year and it's almost always on sunday night football that you play the new york giants uh week one so uh that's how you start the year at washington week two 
home for the Dolphins week three, and then a rematch in New Orleans this time on Sunday Night Football with the uh, with the Saints. So uh, early on, a big test uh, for the Cowboys there on the road in one of the more evil places to play a game these days. <laughs> That's right, man. The, the, the Superdome, you know, as, as old as it is, it's still one of those iconic places now for many reasons, obviously. And uh, that's going to be a tough one. I think that'll be a good litmus test, depending on on where they're at. You know, after the first three games, um, and I, I expect the Saints to to be there as well. So that's going to be a good one. Um, tough schedule, but that's what happens when when you win the division. You know, you get that that number one schedule. Yeah, you get the first place teams. I know because um, the way that I do these shows is I do them by division. We do, the, but the first batch of shows is the two same place opponents. And this year, for the first time in several years, it wasn't a couple of fourth place teams that I was talking to. It was the Rams and the Saints, the other first place finishers in the division. And I, we played the NFC East, so we're playing the Cowboys regardless. But it's a much different conversation talking about contenders and the two teams from the NFC Championship game and, and all that stuff, as opposed to two teams that are rebuilding or coming off a 3-13 and 13 schedule and, uh, and things like that. So those were very different conversations uh, for me this year, talking to first-place teams as opposed to last year, talking to a bunch of fourth-place teams. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and what went wrong? How did things go sideways? Why did you guys lose 11 games? You know, that kind of thing, as opposed to, Talking to the team that lost the NFC Championship game and the team that lost the Super Bowl because that's where those teams ended up playing uh, last season. So the first place schedule is always uh, daunting uh, when you, when you end up getting it. So week five, you got the Packers in town. Then you're at the New York Jets, home for the Eagles on Sunday Night Football before the bye week. And mm-hmm. this this game against the Eagles starts a string of three national TV games in a row because you got the Eagles on Sunday night. The bye week, Monday night with the Giants, so you get them out of the way early, week one and week nine, and then Sunday night football the following week against the Minnesota Vikings. So the second quarter of the season, you spend a lot of time on national TV. Yeah, it's a lot, lot of a lot of primetime uh, games for the Cowboys, and that's just, you know, it, I guess it comes with the territory. You know, they, they seem to always draw the biggest numbers. Um, sure. Yeah, so that's what it is. (laughs) Right. So we're talking about the 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 Eagles and they're one of the more intriguing teams uh, for me this year, because I like you you, when you mentioned before on paper, it all looks good. But what's going to happen when you get between the lines and you got to play the games? The Eagles are one of those teams that on paper, they look they look damn good, actually. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you get them week seven. So both teams are pretty well established as far as who they are. For the season, they know who their players are uh, and everything. And here you are, this game before the bye at home. I mean, you swept the Eagles last year. So, yeah. you know, you had the, the win uh, in, in early on in the second half of the season and then that crazy uh, tip drill touchdown to uh, Amari Cooper in overtime uh, last year. And this is the first game where the Eagles are able to try to get some kind of redemption in the scene of the crime, if you will, back in Dallas again where that crazy play took place, and Amari Cooper kind of stole a victory there in, in overtime in that game. Yeah, Amari Cooper really really owned them. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in their secondary to defend them. I mean, he was literally breaking ankles out there. I think they lost one of their players for the year. I'm just literally breaking an ankle. So 
We'll see. That's going to be a good game. These NFC East games are always really, really fun to watch. They're uh, nail biters. <laughs> they always come down to last possession games. Well, yeah, I mean, like that uh, that Week 17 game last year against the the Giants, that crazy touchdown pass that Dak Prescott threw back of the end zone initially. Now he, yeah, he caught it, but he didn't get both feet in, and then they go back and they review it, and he, he got the, the one knee equals two feet thing in the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. For yeah. the, what, that what ended up being the the game-winning score. I mean, and it, it certainly changed some things because that gave the Cowboys a 10-6 and six record. They win uh, – they win the division and the Eagles get the wild card and uh, and everything. So that was a big, big play and and a much more competitive game than you probably were expecting out of the Giants team at that point in the season. Yeah, they they had to have that game. Cowboys they they couldn't uh, they couldn't you know take the loss and limp into the into the playoffs. So it, it was that was a big win for us. So looking at the other portion of the. Of the schedule here after the Vikings on Sunday night at Dallas, at New England, and then back-to-back Thursday games. The first you got Buffalo on Thanksgiving, and then the following Thursday on Thursday night football, you head out to Soldier Field to play my beloved Chicago Bears. So um, interesting that the, we do the Thursday-Thursday thing. The last time that the Cowboys and Bears uh, played each other, that's exactly what happened. Well, actually, we played in 2016, but back in 2014, did the same thing. Played on Thanksgiving and then played again the following Thursday uh, on Thursday Night Football. And that was not a good year for us. 2014, that was year two of Tressman, who was a disaster as a head coach for us. And that was the, one of the games where it just all kind of fell apart there. Brandon Marshall got hurt, and yeah, it was ugly. It was ugly. Mm-hmm. So I do not have good memories of our last Thursday night encounter uh, with the Cowboys but, you know, it's, it's an interesting stretch there that starts with the Bears. Thursday night football against the Bears. Then the following week, you get a, that, that mini-buy, that 10-day break. Then you're home for the Rams. At Philly, week 16, that game could be huge if uh, things turn out the way most people think they will. And then you finish week 17 at home against the Redskins. That last quarter of the season is probably going to be very, very important for the Cowboys. Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's uh, there's a lot on the line, you know. There, there's there's gonna be a lot on the line. It's a tough schedule, but you know we we understand that. But you know the expectations are always high for the Cowboys, and they get they gotta get it. Yeah, I mean there's three playoff teams in that last four games. Uh, you know the Bears, the Rams, and the Eagles, and then you finish off with the uh, with the Redskins, and that's another division game that could be important for several reasons regardless of where the Redskins are at that point in the season oh yeah no it's 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 gonna be a battle I think the Redskins um they're in they're they're gonna be an interesting team because they're um they're uh you know they brought in Haskins they drafted Haskins and uh it's just uh how are they gonna how are they going to look with Gruden? You know, I feel like he, I feel like he is really on the hot seat as well. So, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I like, I really like Haskins. I just don't like where he landed. I, I, I wish he would have gone somewhere else besides the Redskins because I, I, I feel he's going to struggle there. You think he's going to struggle in Washington? Yeah, only because just the, they're just so wacky over there. You know, um, the owner he meddles a lot, and yeah. there's a lot of there's a, they lost Callahan, the offensive line coach, which I think is a, a huge, huge low key loss for them. Um, Trent Williams, you know, having 
issues and <laughs> we'll see i could be completely wrong you know that's what the nfl is well you're right you know? i mean i when i talked to my redskins guy we talked about a lot of those things the whole trent williams thing and 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 haskins is looking like the best quarterback on the roster right now but is it case keenum's job to lose or is just keeping the seat warm until haskins is ready and you got guys coming off of injuries because they were one of the teams that led the nfc or led the nfl in injuries last year Darius Geis didn't even get to play because he blew out his knee in in the preseason so what's he going to do and and uh and all that kind of stuff so there are a lot a lot of questions surrounding uh the 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 Redskins and when I was talking to my Redskins guy it seemed like the conversation was like when we get to thinking about where do you think this team is going to end up it's very much a team that could be like I wouldn't be surprised if they went four and twelve Potentially, I could also. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go eleven and five, just because that's how you know whacked out. A the NFL can be, but B, just if it works, they can be really good. But if it doesn't work, it could be horrible. And one of the things that he also talked about was Gruden could be gone first five six weeks of the season because their first five games are brutal for the the Redskins. So that traditional slow Jay Gruden start may be his undoing if the Redskins come out of the gate like one and four because their first five games I think they have four playoff teams including the Bears the first five weeks of the season it could not have uh, the the schedule could have not turned out any worse for Dre Gruden in the way that his teams traditionally start so they could be looking to boost him early on if he gets off to a slow start so you're right the Redskins are whacked out it could be it could be very interesting or it could be very ugly uh, out there yeah Right on, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and then you have the Giants. And the thing that I enjoyed talking about the Giants was the quarterback situation for them. First of all, the pure comedy that was the Giants fan base when it was announced they were taking Daniel Jones. Everybody, including myself, finds that hilarious. Because you just think about that the, a stadium full of Giants fans watching the draft <laughs> damn near riot and burn, burn the place to the ground when they picked <laughs> Daniel Jones. Uh, at number six, Haskins is sitting right there uh, and everything. A lot of people think that, you know, Jones would have been there at 17. Why not take Josh Allen? We need a pass rusher, all that kind of stuff. And the Giants just make it a turn into a comedy of errors uh, on that one uh, and everything. So, you know, it, and you, you said that you, you thought interesting things could happen with the Giants because you're, you're not a fan of the Redskins, but potentially something could be where, there with the Giants, you think? Yeah, the Giants, I feel like they're always going to be in it as long as you have uh, a good player on offense. And I think they have an elite player in Saquon Barkley. So I think if they're going to build I think they're building it around him and not the quarterback right now. So if they if they can have a bus driver, you know, which I think that's the situation that they're in right now. Um, but you have that elite level running back. They improve their offensive line. You know, they got Hernandez in the previous draft, and they, they fortified it again here with this last draft from free agency. So um, things are looking good there. The uh, wide receivers, you know, Ingram, if, if he can finally turn it around, he might be something. Sterling Shepard's still uh, reliable. They got rid of the distraction, which is Odell Beckham, which is really, I think, was is a big part of it. You know, I, I think there's something to that. You I know? asked so, him about some, that. Yeah, some I, of those divas are the big distraction, whether it's a T.O., Odell, Chad, John, whatever. I think it, it becomes an issue, you know? 
Yeah, well, I mean, that was something that I did talk to my, my Giants guy about. I asked him, you know, could the Odell situation be addition by subtraction? Because, mm-hmm. granted, he is a he is an elite-level receiver when he's focused and, and playing and healthy because he's had some injury problems. He's one of the best, and obviously he's got some of the best hands ever. But the guy is a constant – the guy, you know, he, he was tailor-made for New York because it's all about the spotlight. In New York, yeah. this is a guy that mm-hmm. was having marriage proposals with the kicking nets. You remember when he was doing that crazy <laughs> nonsense on the sidelines and uh, and all that kind of stuff? So I mean, it's, I loved it. I yeah. loved all that. <laughs> yeah, of course, because you're watching somebody from one of your rivals act like a jackass on national TV <laughs> and know that that's got to be a huge distraction for them. Mm-hmm. It's like even the most liberal of people, as far as like let the guy be himself, has got to be thinking, "What the hell are you doing, man?" You want to tell no, me yeah. why you're on the sideline making love to the kicking net? What's the, what's the story there? <laughs> you know, it was like, could it be addition by subtraction? Just getting rid of him, n- enormous talent or not, could be hugely beneficial to your team just because, A, you don't have to worry about the prima donna needing to get all of his catches in the game. Like, the ball has to go his direction so many times in a game, and you can open it up and, and move it along, and not to mention it's a huge thing not hanging over your locker room uh anymore so it's you know it definitely could be an addition by subtraction it's not every day that you can get rid of one of the best players in the league and be better for it so Mm -hmm. i totally agree yeah exactly i mean it could be huge uh for them as far as that goes not having that could change the morale and and uh camaraderie of the the team maybe they feel so cohesive because they're not divided who's on team odell and who isn't kind of thing is not happening uh in new york this year so we'll see how it goes i mean i i personally don't think that the giants are going to make a move this year but like you said they have pieces they have an elite player in saquon they did refocus on the offensive line we'll see my giants guy was not as optimistic as you are which is funny because he's the actual (laughs) giants fan but you know obviously he's going to be rooting for his guys to play well it's just he's not so optimistic being up close and personal uh with the team so we'll uh we'll have to wait and see how the rest of the team uh unfolds and we've already talked about the the eagles and how dangerous offensively especially i think they can be uh this year so it's going to be a dogfight uh in the nfc and it's uh, going to be interesting to see who's going to be standing when the when the dust settles oh yeah absolutely it's going to be a knockout drag out fight for sure <laughs> all right joe so I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. It's been fun, and um, we uh, look forward to uh, getting you back on week 14. So it's going to be a while before we get a chance to talk again. Uh, December 5th is when our teams play, uh, so we got a good five and a half months before we get to talk again um, to, to get ready for that uh, game. But week 14, there could be some things on the line when our two teams uh, meet, especially if the season goes the way that we both hope that it will. No, definitely. There's hopefully that that'll happen, man. You know, hopefully that'll be something that uh, that can happen because uh, trust me, we we do not like the Packers. <laughs> we hate the Packers probably as much as you guys do, if yeah. not more. So uh, you know, ho- hopefully you guys can knock them out. I hate going up against Rodgers. He, he seems to have our number. So we'll see, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good season. You know, we do. Uh, we do face them in week five, so it'll it'll be it'll be fun. Yeah, we get them week one, and then we get we get them right after you week fifteen. So we get that ten day break to get ready for them after we play you guys on Thursday night football to uh, 
See, I want to sweep the Packers. See, we beat them last year, but mm-hmm. we lost week one, and then we beat them week 15. Now, week 15, we knocked them out of the playoffs and won the division, so that was pretty sweet. But I want the sweep. I want the sweep. Uh-huh. I don't want to hear a peep out of Packer <laughs> fans in the offseason. Not a word from them because they always kind of lean back on uh, Rodgers being Superman in the second half of the game week one. Even oh, though, yeah. <laughs> even though we beat the unholy piss out of them week fifteen at the end of the season, I mean to the point where my favorite play of the whole year was Khalil Mack sacking Aaron Rodgers with his butt. Oh, I, booty thought, I remember that. Just backed right <laughs> into him and took him down. It's like that's it. Yeah, that's how much of a savage Khalil Mack is. He's got a booty sack on his register, so you can't mess with Khalil. He's a man. He's a man. So, yeah. but yeah, I want to sweep them so bad this year. Which team is like that for you? Who is it that you want to just like in the, in the division? We play them twice a year. I don't want to lose once. I just want to smoke these guys. It's the Eagles for me. Sure. <laughs> I think they're um, and it, it's kind of cyclical depending on who's who's giving us the most competition. But I think consistently, no matter what, for me, it's always the Eagles. You know, I just I just can't stand them. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. So last year must have been fun for you then sweeping them. Oh, it was great. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was, it was uh, almost worth, uh, you know, popping a bottle over it, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, week one and week 15 this year for the Bears and the, and the Packers. We're the kickoff game this year on Thursday Night Football in Chicago. So we got we to gotta win that game, man. We got to win it. So. Yeah, that, that 100 years thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what it's, I think that's what it's about, right? That's, oh, that's yeah. a great way to start the season, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, two-story uh, – teams that's great man i i just love football I, I i can watch any team any day just just love it you know what i mean that's right. just that's how much i love it and what's what's crazy is this season i don't know why but this off season seems like it's gone by fast we're just weeks away from training camp yeah and then that's it you know it's you're almost there <laughs> you're right man i gotta be honest with you as much as i cannot wait for this season to start i'm blinking and it's disappearing you know, like here I am. I started doing these uh, these opponent preview shows uh, around Memorial Day, and here we are on the eve of July, and I'm already on my tenth episode. And after this, we move on to the NFC North. So we start talking about the division guys uh, after this, and that's where we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. And then when I'm done with those shows, it's like maybe ten days, and then training camp starts. So I mean, it's it'll be yeah. here before you know it. Before you know it, I'll be racing home after work to get home in time to watch the first uh uh preseason game against the uh the Panthers on uh, on the 8th uh of August you know like before <laughs> yeah. that and it, it, it'll be here and then you know we can start playing some real football and get down to it and find out who's going to be the last man standing in 2019 so i'm excited about this year i see that you're excited as well we got division mm-hmm. championships to uh defend this year and then see if we can build on 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 what we did uh, a year ago so it's going to be an exciting season and uh, again look forward to talking to you in early december to see where we're at week 14 as we get ready for our clash in soldier field yes sir let's do it let's do it all right so where can we keep up with you in the meantime uh you can follow our podcast cowboys fans and it's, it's cowboys huddle you can find us on soundcloud google play obviously uh armchair all americans and uh and that kind of thing. And also on YouTube, you can find my channel there, Cowboys Blog. That's on YouTube. So that's where you can hit me up. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter, Cowboys Blog Net. That's where you can find me. All right, Joe. 
Thanks so much uh, for joining us, man. We'll talk to you again uh, real soon. I really do appreciate you having me on, man. Peace. All right. Joe Rodriguez from the Armchair Media Network podcast, Cowboys Huddle. And, of course, you can uh, also check him out on YouTube and uh, follow him on uh, Instagram and Twitter uh, as well. So uh, had a good time talking to him, previewing these Cowboys. It's going to be an interesting season ahead for the NFC East. And just because of the intrigue of the division that hasn't had a repeat champion in 15 years and – you know, a, a team like the like the Eagles just primed to to make a, a you know an ascension back to the top of the division. The Cowboys have the pieces in place to repeat, but history is not on their side uh, as far as the division itself is concerned. And he likes the Giants more than the Redskins. I think I would I would lean more towards the Redskins than the Giants because of the defense. But he likes the Giants more than the Redskins, and uh, sounded a bit more confident about. It. I think I even mentioned that uh, while we were talking. That uh, you know, Kurt Moccasin from uh, from uh, from G Men HQ didn't quite sound as confident as Joe did about where the Cowboys might end, or excuse me, where the Giants might end up this year. But we'll have to uh, wait and see how that uh, how that all hashes itself out. So uh, the NFC East is going to be an interesting division. We got all four of those teams, and all four of those teams are now in the can. It's done. The NFC East is now behind us. We look forward now to the NFC North and our division brethren, starting with the Detroit Lions, uh, who f- who finally took our place in fourth place uh, this this past season uh, in 2018. So we'll start with Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit, then Evan Western from Acme Packing Company. Talk about the Packers. Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman to preview the Vikings before we wrap it all up with Lauren Cox from Locked on Bears and Bears Wire and Pro Football Focus and a partridge in a pear tree to help us preview our beloved Chicago Bears for the 2019 season. And then we wait. Then we wait. I will stay busy, I promise. I'm trying to get some interviews lined up so I can crank out an episode or two in that dead time between the final uh, opponent preview and uh, training camp getting started see who i can uh i've got one guest for sure locked up and uh working on a couple of uh others and uh hopefully that will uh get you guys to come back and enjoy a little of the the deadest of the dead period it's like all the teams are basically on vacation you know their last break before the season starts there's almost nothing going on uh in the nfl and then training camp will finally get started and then some news will start happening and maybe some transactions some moves there's always a few surprise injuries uh, in, in, in early going with training camp and in the preseason games and, and whatnot, and hopefully our beloved will be able to avoid that curse. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping that, that last year and, and the health of the squad was the beginning of something as opposed to just an anomaly before we return to the injury hell that we were in during the Tressman and uh, Fox era, Fox especially. So, um We'll hope that that 
bad luck does not return. But uh, looking forward to these last four shows and talking about the division, uh, talking about the the Lions and and where they improved and they're going to be able to make a leap in year two under Patricia or is the rest of the division just too tough and vice and vice versa for for Green Bay they got a new head coach and all the drama that surrounded the exit of Mike McCarthy and and, and everything and then we got Minnesota gonna have to ask the hard questions about Kirk Cousins man the, the, there's the bad rap about not being able to beat good teams and that seemed to be where the Vikings fell short uh last year losing both games to the Bears and and very, you know, unceremoniously, week 17 basically being run off their own field uh, in Minnesota while they were playing for a playoff spot. They just didn't have anything for the Bears. The Bears just kind of came out, smacked them in the mouth early. And, and aside from that brief run in the third quarter of that game, the Vikings were virtually dominated for the entire football game by the Bears. And then, like, the, the icing on top was when the Bears finally started benching the starters the second and third team guys were also teeing off uh, on the starters and everything. It basically just kind of made it look like they quit in the fourth quarter when it was when basically the game had been decided. The Bears are up twenty-four to ten. It's a two-score game. You take the the starters out. You put the quote-unquote scrubs in, and the scrubs are having you know awesome afternoons in the last five six minutes of the ball game. So we're gonna have to ask uh, Chris some tough questions when we get him on the show as well. And then when we talk to Lauren about the Bears, probably going to be a lot of optimism in that show because I think he and I are both very excited about this year. Lauren's always been more of the cautiously optimistic kind of guy. And you guys know that I've been saying since last season before the 2018 season began that 2019 was the one that I had circled on my calendar, uh, if you will. Like I just had a feeling about you know year two under Nagy, year two in the system, year two of all these guys playing together, and then you throw on top full off-season program for Roquan Smith, full off-season program for Khalil Mack uh, and everything, the chemistry, the camaraderie of this team going into year two. I have no doubt it's going to be a special year one way uh, or the other. So uh, you know I'll probably be the more of the, the, the Kool-Aid drinker between the two of us while Lauren, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe it's the journalist in him. He'll try to be a bit more objective, maybe a little bit more uh, unbiased, uh, if you will. But we'll we'll see what Lauren has to say. Or maybe he's all in, just like I am. So uh, I'm interested to have the, these conversations and wrap things up. So that is going to do it for the NFC East with part four of our NFC East opponent preview. Like I said, we move on to the NFC North now. Episode number 11 out of 14 when we talk to Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit about the Detroit Lions that episode will be coming out on Tuesday night so Tuesday night Wednesday for most of you since I get these posted so late so Wednesday and then Evan Western will have him his episode will drop on Friday so give you something to listen to when you're uh, recovering from your 4th of July hangovers uh, on Friday so give you a little something to uh, to sit back and relax and listen to uh, during the long holiday weekend so Come on back on Tuesday night slash Wednesday for Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit to talk about the Detroit Lions. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.